Many things impact a compliance program, how it runs, and how well it works. But nothing has the same impact as the constantly changing and evolving technology landscape. In ComTech, a podcast on the intersection of technology and compliance, co-hosts Tom Fox and Valerie Charles will help you understand what changes in technology mean for your compliance program. Here's your hosts, Tom and Valerie. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back with Valerie Charles, partner at Stone Turn, for another episode in ComTech. Today, we are extraordinarily pleased because we have with us Natalia Shaheda. Natalia is a well-known compliance professional now across the globe, as you will find out. She used to be in Houston, so we were Houstonian colleagues. Now, Natalia, first of all, welcome and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with us. Tom and Valerie, such a pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. Natalia, could you give us a little flavor of your professional background? Sure. So you mentioned Houston. I joined the in-house chapter of my career in 2007 previously from private law practice in Washington, D.C., and spent really the last 13-plus years in-house, first across the oil and gas sector, and now here based in Zurich, Switzerland with ABB in a multidisciplinary major industrial across electrification and robotics, motion and process automation, and doing what we love to do. So what's your current role with ABB? I currently have the privilege of serving as its chief integrity officer. So since we are on a podcast all about technology and compliance, I guess I'll sort of, you know, I know this is a new role for you, but I'd love to hear kind of how you feel about technology and compliance, what's happened the last, you know, five years. Maybe you could talk a little bit about, I happen to know just from our prior relationship that you did a lot of important advances in your prior role. And then I'd love to think about how you're, you know, thinking about utilizing technology in your new role at ABB. Sure. Let me do my best. I think I would describe my pivot in this space over the years as one of wouldn't it be nice to have to isn't it necessary to simplify to now it is absolutely mission critical to the proper functioning and success of our function and our mission. I think that that's right. Have you been co-opted to the data forward way of thinking just yet? I mean, I know sort of increasingly everybody's heading there, but I, I'm curious about kind of where you are on that journey. Sure. So I must say I'm with a data passionate organization. So like it or not, I need to be a data passionate integrity professional. And so I say, I hope so is my answer, but I must claim still to be a student in the space. So we are trying to look at opportunistically how to leverage data for purposes of giving us real-time insights on the health of our integrity culture in the company, how to do so effectively and efficiently, and with a real keen eye towards innovation. Have you brought on board on your team sort of dedicated tech or data folks or you know, given the sort of space that ABB is in, I would imagine maybe there's a lot of good data talent that you can leverage from other parts of the business. So 100%. I would say in the monitoring space and integrity analytics as it relates to high-risk transactions and risk mitigation in that space, could not be more privileged to have the opportunity to work closely with teammates whom functionally sit in 
internal audit. We have a dedicated business analytics team, and we have four full-time teammates dedicated to our integrity mission from that team. I would also add, though, that in addition, we have data-capable professionals who sit full-time within the integrity function who are looking for ways in which to innovate and leverage data for other purposes, also for monitoring, but monitoring, for example, we run tools across data that give us indicators on whether our communications for learning purposes are effective across the organization. So it's a different data set with a different data mission that is monitoring of the program not per se from a risk perspective, more from an effectiveness of what we're doing perspective. So that's really interesting, I think. So when you think about that, like what sort of data sets do you look at? Is it like, are we talking about training data? Are we talking about, you know, hotline data, all of the above? All of it. So we look at hotline data in the comms space. We look at Yammer data. So we are passionate Yammerers. That is a social media you know, platform that companies can use in-house to communicate with our employees. We measure within those Yammer social media posts, we measure the likes, the dislikes, the comments. We measure taps or touches to our learning platform. We monthly collate the data on which are the micro-learning assets that got the most hits, which are the ones that seem to be most popular. We watch that closely as we're launching new assets in the micro-learning space. We have a mobile application anybody on the planet can download from the Apple Store that is the ABB Code of Conduct. And we tap and watch the metrics associated with how many downloads of the mobile app have we gotten since it launched. We monitor touches to all of our intranet integrity microsites, whether that is content or other assets, communication assets. We give our leadership every quarter lots of messaging assets to use. You know, and the list kind of goes on, but that gives you a little bit of a picture. So we just did our communication metrics for April and they were 41 slides long. A lot of data looking at trying to get a feel for, are we communicating effectively in the eyes of our employees? And how do we think that's moving the culture needle? I love that. It's super interesting. And I I think it's great that you've got the support. Sort of data analytics or tech solutions on their own, you know, aren't particularly useful without the cultural buy-in of the organization. How are you able to sort of get that buy-in? I mean, it sounds like ABB, luckily, is a place where Maybe you didn't have it too hard in that department, but I'd love to sort of hear about, you know, how you position these things and like when you need budget or headcount or other things like that from the organization, what's the best selling point that you've found? I think a lot of our listeners are in the process of trying to, you know, jockey for resources. Fair. Totally appreciate that. So I came into an organization that had already, dare I say, a 15 year running start on health and safety and security metrics and data and very rich, textured, intensive dashboarding capability. And so when I came to the company and started learning about the company's communication style, you know, the emphasis on digitization, I basically said, I want to do that, to which the leadership said, this is what we expect of you. 
And so how quickly can you start generating data and metrics? And I said, look, I'm, I'm on board, count on me. You know, the sophistication that you see with respect to your HSE metrics, if you roll back time, that didn't happen overnight. That took some care and feeding culturally to establish those data sets and work on the quality of those data sets so that they could provide rich insights. And so we set a target. And in fact, we just went live now, um, April 1st, with a set of real-time data sets and dashboards associated with our allegations, our investigative portfolio for management to be able to see and manipulate in real time while minding our reverence for our confidentiality obligations. So I have to say, I came into an organization with real passion and a high expectation that I could deliver in that space. And we're just going to build it over time. I'd love to hear a little bit about your your team. I mean, ABB is, you know, massive multinational. Are you, do you have lots of sort of dedicated compliance folks or are you, do you have a combination of compliance folks and then people that are deputized to be eyes and ears for you? We definitely have both. It's a legal family of, uh, and our department is called Legal and Integrity. And so we really like to say it's the whole of the department whom are subject matter experts in this space. But we do have a dedicated crew in the function within the legal and integrity family dedicated to what we call integrity and reg affairs. And that's about 30 plus of us across a number of disciplines, right? Antitrust, anti-bribery and corruption, trade compliance, digital data privacy investigations, and the program which is not a small task of managing. So uh, we're blessed to work with an amazing team, but across the metrics, I don't have 30 people working metrics. It's a pretty small team dedicated to that, both on the investigation side and on the broader program asset side. And to your point about how do you build it, I think collaboratively. We work very closely with our communications team and learning how to run the metrics against the communications assets. And like I said, we work very closely with our business analytics team to learn how to do the same with respect to what we've built in the investigative space. Have you done most of this? I mean, it sounds like with the resources in-house, maybe most of it are sort of home-baked solutions, or is it a combination of like outside kind of software providers together with, you know, some in-house talent and then maybe even outside consultants. I'm just curious about the sort of makeup of how you staffed it all. Sure. So on the investigation side, it's our helpline, which is a name brand helpline that most people are using, and Tableau. And helpline plus Tableau and some extraordinarily sophisticated teammates, like I said, from our business analytics team. From a communications perspective, these are off-the-shelf tools as well that we're bouncing against all of the assets that I mentioned. And I say with great reverence and respect to my team, if we can learn how to do it, anybody can learn how to do it. As it relates to the most sophisticated analytics in our monitoring program, again, with business analytics, we did tap some external folks. We did quite a bit of benchmarking with some companies that are very far you know, ahead in the space to learn about their journey and also tapped some service providers really to see if our vision was on trend, shall we say, substantively, in terms of value-add, sophistication. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, I, obviously, 
I have been a lawyer and I've also been in the, the software space and now I'm a, I'm a service provider. So I always find it interesting. You know, some of the software companies, I think, including some of these hotline companies, have a vision to be able to do the analytics sort of off the shelf-ish, you know, configurable, but off the shelf. And yet they they haven't figured it out. And there's only really three or four kind of global players and, and none of them have figured it out. And so it's funny because when we're working with clients that want to move it into Power BI or Tableau or, you know, one of these sort of places where you can actually run the analytics, we tend to struggle with the software companies to give the clients their own data which is just a bizarre problem. I don't know if you bumped into that with either the hotline companies or any of the other companies that provide this sort of off-the-shelf solutions, but it's like they're nervous to to kind of create APIs and make it easy because, you know, maybe in a year or two, they're going to be, you know, offering it. And in the meantime, you know, our clients are saying, yeah, but we, we can do it with our data analysts today. So we're not going to wait for you. I don't know if you bumped into that, but I, I find it an interesting phenomenon. I'll just say I agree with you that the marketplace should be farther along in terms of these things being off the shelf and easily deployable. There is, I think, a tremendous amount of in-house customization and design that I know we're doing and I think other peers in the space as well. Any uh, exciting quick wins that you want to share from your uh, tenure at ABB? Well, I'm really excited about what we're doing on, again, this technology and communications piece, because the headline there is we told our employees we're no longer going to do mandatory compliance and integrity training. And the reason for that is because we take really seriously the guidance that is coming out of DOJ and SEC about the effectiveness of training expectations. It's not about checking boxes and making sure that I can show registries of how many, you know, people I had in chairs, you know, in a pre-COVID training mindset. It's about, are we communicating learning in an effective way? And so from a technology perspective, really thinking aggressively and with innovation about how do we maximize effective communication for learning purposes to our people. And that is a stratified approach like I said, through lots of different messaging tools. And we're watching the data to see if we're being effective in real time. And this is going to take, it's a journey. It's a big pivot. It's going to take a little bit of time to be able to evaluate whether it's working. And we're using video and, you know, flat text and all kinds of things. We just did a video of our executive committee that had over 70,000 hits. And we only have 95,000 employees who have an email account. So we're pretty happy with that result, but time will tell. So that's really kind of the innovation tech piece that I'm most excited about. That's simple, simple to do. Yeah. I I mean, I'm fascinated by it. Does, Does this kind of voluntary interaction with the learning happen from the intranet primarily? Where are they finding the the content? The intranet. So content guidance and so forth on our intranet, micro learning material on the intranet, podcasts, Yammer messages, we really believe in inculcating an adult self-learning objective. We set clear expectations for our employees as outlined by our values, our ABB way, and our code of conduct. And we're going to try and put the best quality assets out there that succinctly outline expectation and how to live the ABB life 
you know, with integrity, get people to start pulling. I say it all the time. If I break something in my house, I go to YouTube. I'm not reading the owner's manual for my automobile or the appliance. That's the concept is create a simple learning approach where people will want to come back for more because it's easy. It answered the question that they had. And hopefully we can make it a little bit fun from time to time in the process. So I would imagine it's a little bit searchable. Like if somebody's in a scenario where they're thinking, you know, I don't know whether I'm being asked to pay a facilitating payment. Like I I think maybe this is something I'm not supposed to do, but I'm not sure. There's sort of a searchable way to find that kind of YouTube-ish answer to the real-time work issue that they might be having. 100%. We call it, it's the Integrity Awareness Portal. And it is our portal through our internet site where all of our micro-learning content is hosted. And we have over 50 micro-learning assets, totally searchable on a host of lots of different topics. And you can go in there and do exactly what you just said to that micro-learning content off the shelf so that nobody thinks we've spent time creating 50 micro-learnings ourselves. That's off-the-shelf content. We then create bespoke micro-learnings that really are told innovatively branded with ABB through, you know, through more of a company story and just trying to get the balance right. Things that feel like they're connected to the way the company walks and talks. And at the same time, you know, smaller learning snippets that have a more general appeal. I'm fascinated by this. And I'll tell you, it's funny because I'm never fascinated by training conversation. Like it's, it's just something that for whatever reason, people think it's really innovative that they're saying micro learning, you know, like, or that they're, I don't know, they have some interactive component, sort of gamification thing. And it's so, it's just dull. And this is the first sort of interesting conversation and really kind of fresh take on training that I've heard in quite some time. So I am excited about it and probably offline, we'll pick your brain on that a little bit more because we have clients that come to us for training. And I would love to hear, you know, more about some of the successes that you've had and which which providers you like and all that stuff. So well, fingers crossed, <laughs> it's my pleasure, fingers crossed that our employees feel like we're making a success out of this. And we're even not calling it training, we're calling it learning to sort of inculcate that self pull as opposed to that talk at sensation. Fantastic. I love it. Let me change the focus from the training and communication to more traditional risk management. You talked about your real-time data. Does that give both you and the business unit folks who are on the front line information of situations which either would raise a red flag, they might come to compliance for advice, or you have the resources available to them when those situations might come up? So what's live and what's in dev? What's live are, as I said, real-time dashboards associated with the investigative portfolio. And that is open to all senior leaders. And those dashboards provide lots of data, risk stratification in real time as concerns and allegations are coming in. So say you have a concern about business A, business manager B says, hmm, I see high-risk cases happening in China. None of these relate to my business. Maybe I should be thinking about what my risks are there. So we're hoping through that view and that real-time data and the metrics we're running there really empowers the business to be thinking about risks and mitigation in, in real time. In development for us is a data pool pulling information and data from lots of our systems, be it enterprise systems, 
be it automation that we've done around some core integrity processes like the classic conflicts of interest, gifts and entertainment, due diligence systems, charitable systems, and start to, you know, future state extrapolate insights and trends over what we're seeing there from a risk perspective as well. There are lots of companies that are ahead of us in that space. We're glad to be working on it and have learned from lots of others and excited about the benefit we think that that's going to pay forward from not just a detective perspective, but eventually a preventative perspective. I talked to a fair number of people about whistleblowers, whistleblowing issues, whistleblower reporting systems, and most of the forward-thinking ones talk about utilizing your greatest resource, which is your own employees, for information. It seems to me that you're using technology to enable your employees to both provide information to you in compliance, but more importantly, you're providing information back to them that literally allows them to unleash their potentials in a variety of different ways. Would that that be a fair assessment? Yes. Can I bumper sticker that, Tom? We certainly hope so. I mean, look, what does everybody expect from us is that we are spending these precious resources in a way that is driving effectiveness, effective culture, effective behavior, and effective controls. And so we believe in full transparency. We believe in full partnership and getting that real-time visibility in the hands of the managers that are running the P&L because we want them empowered to help us manage and mitigate the risk in a succinct way and run sustainable business based on integrity. So I don't see having a purpose otherwise than to make sure we're giving them all of that and hopefully being more effective, you know, as we go, mitigating greater risk, being more preventative and and driving a really healthy and sustainable. Yeah, culture. well, we certainly appreciate uh, the time. It's, you know, you're one of those kind of pseudo compliance celebs. So we love to, uh, we love to have you on. Yeah, we, we appreciate it. And, and we hope the listeners will follow up with us with any thoughts or questions. And we thank you for your time. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you, Tom. Really appreciate the opportunity. Take care.